Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Chris Ragg and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're discussing plot spoilers. Now, before we start off, I just want to issue a warning, which is I want to talk about Game of Thrones for a second. Well, I don't want to talk about Game of Thrones. So we're in the, we've just completed series seven of, of Game of Thrones, which I have not seen anything. And I don't want any of you or either of you to to spoil anything for me. OK, yeah, so, we probably ought to is, issue a general on all channels, a general spoiler alert for this podcast i may make reference to but we'll try my best not to spoil too heavily uh west world the usual suspects the sixth sense ghost terminator 3 alien 3 and the star wars prequels um but I, I will do the the only the only film i will explicitly refer to uh in terms of what the actual spoiler is is um the uh, empire strikes back so if you haven't seen it and you want to switch the podcast off but I'm expecting almost everyone to know what I what I mean by by the central twist of of Empire Strikes Back. So um, all that being said, spoiler alerts or plot spoilers. Chris, go for it. Yeah. So this um, this this really sort of was spurred by a um, by a lot of online debate about the latest series of uh, Game of Thrones and whether particular elements of uh, the plot um, have subsequently undone. Um, previous elements of the uh, the the storytelling in in the series uh, and whether they undermine them, uh, etc. Um, and uh, this this really stems uh, from I think a a fairly modern phenomenon, which is of the requirement of the um, the scriptwriters, um, because now obviously they have extended beyond. The set of of books uh, which George R. R. Martin has has written, um, and they uh, those books obviously have come to fruition. The the first sort of five full books uh, or seven um, seven sort of with the split books um, uh, were written over you know twenty years plus and and conceptualized over twenty years plus, and they're now having to. Um, uh, sort of tie together all, all the the loose ends and conclude the the, the plot without that framework of um, long established fric- uh, f- fiction. So that's one peculiarity about this. The second is that um, you know there is there is a huge online audience now discussing where the plot might go at any one period, and this this means the scriptwriters um, have to think much more carefully be much more spontaneous use uh something which has been referred to previously as um schrodinger's gun uh in in plot development which is is used in um uh sort of usually used in interactive um storytelling like dungeons and dragons role playing or um computer games where at any moment you might have to change the plot because of something a, a, a character actually acts to do and might try and predict the plot um the same is now having to be applied really to to the writing of game of thrones because there are so many people second guessing what's going going on uh, that the writers um have to be agile and respond to things which 
uh, people are saying about uh, about the show. Um, and so I think they're in a very difficult position. And let's not forget that, you know, they're probably amongst the most successful and best TV script writers in, in history. So, you know, we, we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't criticize them. Um, too much. So what's the central question? What's our question? The central question is um, the extent to which when you write something um, and it un... Uh, um, and it unpicks something which you felt very strongly about originally um, why is that why is that so emotionally powerful and why does that have such a, an effect and to move it away from game of thrones so we don't risk any any um you know uh, uh spoilers uh, further um if you it, it, the huge reaction there was to the um second trilogy in terms of when they were produced but the first trilogy of when they're sequenced so you're about uh, star wars the star wars you don't films, even have to exactly. say it when you talk about right. trilogies it's, yes yeah. yeah okay so the terrible three uh, as uh, as they shall now be be known you know that had a huge emotional impact on on many people including including myself you know for somebody brought up in a secular household like myself you know lord of the rings and uh star wars were effectively my theological like the old basis. testament and the new testament like the old yeah. testament and the new testament exactly and it's 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 like somebody had suddenly said having read the new testament you know i've got the old testament um god is is actually uh you know a children's party entertainer or something um you know that's that's the kind of uh and and it feels like you were robbed of your your childhood you put down these memories about the plot cheated exactly yeah i mean the the so uh just sorry just i think we should say that probably uh we're gonna need to discuss the prequels and and the uh original trilogy here but um the the the, perhaps the most egregious example for me is that you know i remember when um the the when um uh, obi-wan kenobi first gives the lightsaber to luke and opens his eyes to the world of the jedi and he says you know your father was this great sort of space pilot and i think we all we all imagined someone very sort of kindly and heroic you know who's an excellent pilot who then you know the tragedy of course that he gets turned to the dark side and becomes uh what we later discover is is darth vader um and you watch the prequels and he's not he's a whiny bitch he's a totally obnoxious teenager <laughs> um, he's totally unlikable in in all three, and you just think, well, you know, this isn't a tragedy. Him turning into Darth Vader because I never liked him in the first place. In in many ways, Darth Vader is an infinitely more charming and interesting person, uh, you know, than than um, than the Hayden Christensen version of Anakin Skywalker. Um, and and I think that's you know uh, that for me is the worst sin that they committed. And um, and, and and I think the um, you know it says a lot about. Uh, so I think the emotional reaction we have when a a subsequent piece of plot affects something which we which we held held dear i think this is akin to um you know things we find out like for example you know if um if you're the uh, um child of parents who divorce when you're older or something and you 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 realize your childhood was a sham or if you're or people who discover that they're adopted <clears throat> And it or, causes them to yes, that, that kind them. of that kind of thing, or yeah. you know, um, people whose partner has an affair and they thought they were happily married, and so on and so forth. Yeah. That 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 emotional wrench of having uh, not only is the, the trauma of of the, the you know the event itself, but there's also this you're having to rewrite a set of memories. There's this there's this sudden cognitive dissonance of. Um, wait a minute, I thought I was this kind of person, this is my identity, and now I'm having to, to shift it accordingly. I think that's what's going on. Yeah, because when... we, were, we were trying to, we were sort of talking about um, uh, whether or not, there, the, what's the difference between a spoiler and a synopsis? 
you know, if I tell you in Empire Strikes Back that, you know, they get they, they fight a battle on Hoth and then Luke goes to see Yoda and, you know, that they um, they go to Cloud City and, and that, you know, Luke uh, discovers that Darth Vader is his father. Um, well, I mean, if, I, if I'd admitted the, if I admitted the last bit, I've still told you quite a lot about the story. Why don't we find it bothersome? I mean, you know, why why does it not bother us to get a synopsis? If you like, what 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 things are you not allowed to include in a synopsis because they're officially spoilers? And I think Chris has sort of nailed it there. Really, it's about about the extent to which it it affects the interpretation of of everything else in the film, um, such that it, were you to watch it again, having known the spoiler, you would have interpreted events differently. Okay, but look, I just clarify. I think we're talking about two different things here because we're talking about on the one hand where a plot which, albeit extending over however many um, um, episodes of a film, um, suddenly pulls the rug from under you and what you had previously invested emotions in turns out not to be true. Um, That's one thing. Um, But I think that's different from a plot spoiler um, where, as you say, in a synopsis, if it gives too much away, then it spoils it for you. So, for example, had you had a synopsis of The Empire Strikes Back, and part of it says, and in this we find out that uh, Luke's father is actually Darth Vader, um, and uh, Luke's Luke and and uh, Princess Leia are actually brother and sister. Then that is giving too much away. But I think these are two different things, are they not? Uh, yes, I suppose in in a sense um, the. Uh Yes, they are. I mean, the subsequent um, the the subsequent plot points. Uh, it's almost in reverse. A spoiler is where you tell someone something that's coming that's coming up. Um, these are where you sort of say you know that, and this is why it's so much more disorientating. Uh, this is where you say you know that thing that you thought happened. It didn't. It didn't actually pan out quite in that way or some elements of it now are cheapened in 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 some way and it, mm. yeah I, d- I don't see a big difference mm. i think what we're talking about is the same thing the, the po- it's plot development which substantially affects the interpretation of foregoing events is the same as a twist that would be a spoiler where you to tell someone about it i think that's what a spoiler is no, a spoiler but the difference is, is telling is... someone um one of these plot developments no because the difference is, in one, you've already invested your emotions, and 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 those and those get to be um, disturbed. Yeah, disturbed yeah. or anyway. Um, but the other is actually you're not getting the chance to invest. No, I know. Well, no, but that's no, no. I, I agree. But what I'm saying is that the same analysis tells you what would be a spoiler. This is how to know whether something's a spoiler. Is whether it has that effect on you, were you to watch it. That, that's what I'm saying. It's the same thing. I don't think that obviously a, a spoiler is ruining that by giving someone the answer before they get a chance to be emotionally invested in it. Um, I want to. I just actually. I mean, on this topic, I think I can sort of push this forward a little bit um, by saying, okay, people think they don't like spoilers, right? It turns out that they do. Right. In fact, people's reported enjoyment of watching a film um, is increased when they are told uh, what the spoilers are. So when people are given information about what's going to happen in a film, they actually enjoy it more. But people think they won't. Right. And this this kind of just to I think the, this touches on the for me, the the relevant psychological um, uh, sort of the, the, the relevant um, psychological uh, field here, which is this issue, the diff- the distinction between experiencing and um and remembering and um i think herodotus 
uh, has this quote that he, he says Solon in a conversation with King Croesus, who, of course, was famously fabulously rich. He said, count no man happy until the end is known. And, and that's interesting. You could live an, your entire life being perfectly happy. But if you had a sort of sad end, uh, we would judge that to be a sad life. And and this this is uh, actually corresponds to findings in from empirical psychology where, uh, you know, if people are, let's say two people are, well, one of the studies is to do with sort of pain during surgery, that if people um, experience uh, some nasty pain, but then some slightly nicer pain until eventually the pain goes away, um, in total, they've experienced more pain than someone who just gets the nasty pain at the beginning. But the person with the nasty pain remembers that as being much worse uh, because there's sort of the story is there was this very painful surgery that I had. And and it turns out that actually our experiencing self so that the the kind of the happiness or or whatever you want to call it, we experience during an event, during something which we're directly involved in is uh, very different, very different in terms of the things that it considers important to the remembering self, which is our evaluation of it afterwards. And, and you know, actually, the, these, um, you know, the, the, it's, the thing is, it's the remembering self who is, to all intents and purposes, us, and the decisions that we make are made by the remembering self. But, but they're often hugely in conflict to our experiencing self. So, so I think that, you know, that's yeah. this issue about spoilers. You, you learn a spoiler... Uh, you it hasn't actually affected the experience you had uh, during watching the first bit of the film all the way up to you know Luke finding out that Darth Vader is his dad it, you still exp- watched the same film but your remembering self has now had a very different experience and I think this this fits with the idea of uh, a sort of narrative uh, narrative paradigm and um, you know the theory proposed by um, Walter Fisher uh, and that you know humans experience their lives as a narrative as a, as a story and um, that uh, the the you know the reason why we find um, events that don't fit into that story difficult difficult to deal with is because they're not they're not consistent with our our narrative um, and so if you look at if you look at plot plot twists or plot developments that are unsuccessful we, we you know we require narrative um, consistency in our storytelling we require narrative consistency in, in our life and I think the two things are, are sort of parallel but if you look at stories that aren't successful I think it tells us about experiences that aren't pleasurable um, and um, it, you know there are, there are three kinds of types of um, uh, consistency within a story there's there's external consistency which is that uh, you know the story must fit with the rest of the world unless we've been told specifically otherwise so you know people must act in a certain way they can't suddenly fly in a story unless you explain why that is the, is the case so there's external consistency we can we you know we we can break that provided we tell people the reason for for doing that uh, there's then genre consistency and this is where the, the uh, george rr R. martin has been extremely um successful is in 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 breaking the expectations of genre by um you know in particular plot twists by by getting rid of key characters or key elements that has that is not traditionally done uh that's been really really successful but where we can't bear it is in internal consistency which is consistency within the story itself if something happens that's totally out of a character's uh, um 
sort of um, you know their personality or, or, or their behavior so far or uh, some, something erodes a, a really substantial thing that's been built up that's very difficult to, to, to deal with and that is true in in life when things you know suddenly go off kilter if something's been going in a particular direction and it it goes somewhere else like events like you know brexit or um uh, for some people you know president trump's election those things when people have got a narrative that they're projecting in their mind when that narrative is disrupted uh it becomes psychologically very discombobulating dis- uh, discombobulating yeah to use a technical term i think the um and I think you can explain, uh, I mean, you know, it's no surprise that we like our lives to be like stories because actually the point is we make stories to reflect our lives. You know, stories are a sort of, you know, the highlights, if you like, they're kind of ways of distilling the way that we like to experience events. Um, so that, that makes sense. Um, but I think the I think you can sort of begin to think about explanations for why these things bother us. And I think the two key things are, first of all, you know, when you think about um, external or genre consistency, uh, it's because we, we get a huge amount of value from learning the rules of the world. You know, that that is how we manipulate things to our advantage is understanding how the world works. And when the world uh, does things that are unpredictable or confusing, we find it bothersome because we want we get an urge to resolve that inconsistency. And if you're watching a film, obviously you can't, you know, because the writer has has just said it. And uh, internal consistency, I think, is probably yeah even more important in a way because it's about how we understand motivations, and 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 it's obviously hugely important for humans to understand the motivations of the people they're dealing with, and that, and I think that's the a lot of the very uh, interesting plot twists you know are actually to do with um to do with under with discovering that someone's motivation has actually been different that actually something they've been doing the whole time uh has been uh for for a totally different reason um one of my favorite plot twists actually okay so alert here i'm, I'm about to uh, give, give a bit of a spoiler for the 1990 film ghosts yeah so one, one of the one of the twists is that he you know it, it Patrick Swayze as a ghost uh, is sort of in some sense trying to elicit the help of his friend from work and he goes and sort of follows his friend uh, who he thinks is going to confront the murderer Um, and it turns out they know each other and they're good friends and you suddenly realize that actually um, you know he's uh, he's the the what who he thought was his friend from work turns out to have been in part of the part of a conspiracy which led to his death Um, and, and of course, that's very interesting for us because that, it's that sort of thing we, we're on the lookout for when we're dealing with other humans. We're going to need to wrap up there. Um, I can't remember quite how we got onto this, but bringing it back round to, to something, um, which was you were talking about, um, remind me what you were saying about experience and... The, the, the experiencing self versus the remembering right. self. Right, okay. As, so I don't know how this fits in, but I was once presented with an interesting dilemma which I was in hospital lying on a, a trolley just about an hour before having, quite, ha- having had quite a serious accident. And I was lying there with uh, all sorts of broken bones, quite badly broken. Um, and one of the things they needed to do was my right arm um, had been dislocated, the elbow had been dislocated and the whole joint shattered. And they needed to give me like almost a sort of a pre-operation immediately. So I was already in a huge amount of pain and doing that would put me even in even more pain. And they said, right, you've got a choice here. What we can do, we can either knock you out with a general anaesthetic, 
But you've just, um, in the last few hours, you've been eating and drinking. And so the effect of the anaesthetic is that you'll want to vomit. In fact, you will vomit. Um, and they said, so as we put you under, what you'll just feel this very slight pressure on your throat, which is us pushing down on your throat to stop you choking on yourself, okay, on your own vomit. Um, and actually, I remember the words they said, and it's completely illegal in Germany, but it's fine. We do it here all the time, okay? So that was option A, and obviously there would be no pain in that, okay? They said option B is we'll give you loads of morphine um, and some sedatives, um, and we'll um, and we'll and, and we'll set your uh, elbow, and you'll be perfectly conscious, um, but you will feel a lot of pain as we do it. But don't worry, you won't. Um, even though you're in a huge amount of pain at the time, you won't remember that you've had that pain. Um, so what do you want to do? And what what would you do in that position? Well, I think that's a, that's almost a, just a real life example of some of these psychological thought experiments. I I actually just don't like the idea of feeling like I'm going to vomit. And I would probably go for the go for the small amount of pain that I was going to forget. Personally. Well, a large amount of pain. That you okay, would large forget. amount of pain. Yeah, I think I'd probably prefer that somehow to the possible indignity of vomiting while while uh, while on general anaesthetic. Right. Um, I, I yeah. What would I'm you not go sure, for, Chris? I'd, I'd have definitely tried my hardest to avoid the accident in the first place. I think <laughs> go back in time and make more sensible decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think so. I, I I went for option B because you know I understood that option A was dangerous um and did you did you indeed forget the pain yeah well i'm not sure if i forgot it but i think they described it incorrectly because i actually remember it all quite reasonably well and it was one of those things where i don't know if anyone here has ever had morphine um but i was very conscious that i was on the one hand in a huge amount of pain uh but on the other hand that it didn't matter yeah and it was fine so I don't think I did forget it. I just think the morphine just sort of just overwhelms your body with good stuff. So, um, and you've been taking it ever since. Yeah, yeah. not looked back. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know if that sort of if that's a sort of a, yeah. I, I think that ties into what we were talking about. I guess very much so. Yeah, no, it's, uh, and I think you know this this. Um, so uh, Daniel Kahneman, uh, you know, has done has done quite a lot of work on on this uh on this topic and you know the, the problem is that uh you then ask well are we do we want to be um happy uh in our life or do we want to be happy about our life and they're very different things you know you can be go through life being you know experiencing a lot of pleasure um but you are still ultimately in some way dissatisfied with the way everything's going and those two those two are quite distinct in terms of the the, the results that you get when you try and survey people um yeah, yeah, and I think I think we, you know when when the when the two selves are sufficiently dissociated, you end up with problems such as chronic procrastination, where you know someone is always choosing a, uh, an, uh, the easy life, the sort of pleasurable life, but but it's uh, having devastating effects because they are unable to actually achieve the things they want to achieve because those things are kind of mildly displeasurable. All right, so um, we'll wrap up there. Um, thank you as always for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Nick Hare and Chris Rag of Aleph Insights. Thank you as always. Until next time, bye-bye.